So we are talking about plugging into God's power, and you guys, we should be on point B. Uh, we talked about last week, uh, we do, what do we do? We do foolish things for those we love. So we've talked about that. we talked about that a couple of times already, as far as the, the power of love. And that reminds you of that song by uh, Huey Lewis in the News. So today we're talking about God's love empowers us to have... Um, uh, credible ministries, and we've been hitting on that theme uh, over and over again. And I left my glasses in my office, so bear with me. Hopefully, I can read my Bible and uh, see the words here. So, First Corinthians twelve. Let's look at verses twelve through fourteen, or Second Corinthians, I should say, chapter twelve, twelve through fourteen. No prayer pieces? Okay, thank you. The Bible says here, um, Truly, the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For uh, for what is it wherein ye were inferior to other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you, Forgive me this wrong. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and and will not be burdensome to you. For I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. Thank you for the relationship that Paul had with you and the church. Thank you for the relationship that we have with you and one another. Thank you for your word tonight that's true. Thank you for the songs that uh, have been sung and the prayers that have been offered already. And uh, thank you for the fellowship we have in in Christ. Thank you for uh, the things we discussed even tonight at the pastor meeting and the things that uh, we need to to be given attention to. And the ministry coordination that we had at 4 o'clock and and today at 1 o'clock we had HBI orientation. Uh, We're busy, but Lord, may you be the center of all this activity. Lord, may we not lose track of you and your spirit. A lot of things going on in people's lives. Uh, Thank you for the guests that came today. Thank you for the word that went forth. Thank you for the testimonies today I heard of salvations. And uh, it's exciting, Lord. We just praise you and thank you for it. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Paul... He manifests signs. That's a scary thing uh, when we, in a, in a Baptist church, talk about signs and wonders. But we're going to do that today. Uh, so Paul, he manifests the signs of an apostle, uh, yet that was not enough for the Corinthians. Think about that. Today, a lot of people want to see signs. Um, and, of course, signs are for the Jews. We know that 1 Corinthians chapter um uh, one uh, deals with that. Jews require a sign. Greeks seek after wisdom. And so signs, it's interesting that signs really, as much as people want to see signs, they don't really make that big of a difference. I was also reading in the Gospels, and I just noticed, uh, you know, even with the apostles, or the, not the apostles, but with the Jews, Jesus could do miracles, and they were not moved. And those miracles were for them to believe, and they just still didn't believe. So uh, people think, you know, if God would do this or this happened, I'll believe. It's not true. They won't believe. As a matter of fact, in the coming tribulation, there'll be lots of signs and lying wonders uh, in Second Thessalonians 2. And uh, people will just continue to galvanize their heart uh, against God and uh, follow the deception. So now is not the time, by the way, to be looking for signs and wonders. Because when they come, they'll lead the wrong direction. Um, unless you happen to be, you know, hanging on to 144,000 Jews and... Um, 
and uh, you know these two witnesses that come and manifest these signs. But that's a whole other Bible study. So uh, Paul manifests the signs of an apostle, and they were still like, "Well, but Paul, that's just not enough." You know, he says the only thing I didn't do was charge you guys. You know, I made myself of no burden to you. Other than that, you've seen everything I got. I've given you everything. He lamented that he did not require their investment in his ministry so they could learn uh, not to be so compelled by their self. They were selfish and self-centered, very clearly. He's like, you know what? That's the only thing I didn't do is make myself chargeable. Other than that, you are getting everything everybody else has. So um, look at verses 14 and 15. That's where I stop. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will will not be burdensome to you. I'm not going to charge you. You're right. I'm not going to. You don't have to worry about me. I'll take care of myself. For I seek not yours, but you. I don't, I don't want what you got. I want you, is what he's saying. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. And this is such a sad st- statement. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. So, you know, so Paul's ready to come a third time. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's a really, that's interesting. Is our intimacy and obedience to Christ growing stronger over time or weaker? Think about that, you know. Um, and that's, that's convicting for me to think about. I've had some really good days with the Lord in the last 30-some years. And so when you think about it, is your, is your relationship with the Lord, is your, your desire to be with Him weaker? Or is it growing stronger? And... You know, Paul's desire to be at the Corinthians was growing stronger, and it had nothing to do with how they treated him. And yet he says, man, I'm willing to spend and be spent for you. That's, you know, we would call that in, in, a, in a counseling term. That'd be, uh, the guy is, what did they call that when I, I, said, asked, I put it out there like you guys know it, like I know it. Now I'm trying to think of the phrase, but a dependent relationship, right? Where uh, somebody's uh, pouring, some guy's abusing this poor lady and she just keeps coming back for more. And uh, you know what? Paul's being abused by the church. He just keeps coming back for more because he's full of grace. He's full of mercy and love. I'm not saying you should stay in abusive relationships, by the way. I'm not stating that. But they are not treating him with the honor, obviously, of an apostle. Um, They're questioning him and, and what have you, his authority. And yet he's like, you know what? The less you love me, the more I love you. I mean, think how many problems could be solved in marriages, in families, in church families, and in society. If the more, you know, the less we be loved, the more we love. I did hear, you know, so last week some Antifa folks attacked some Christian organization. They had some preacher in and they were having them out out west on the west coast, I think in Seattle or something, Portland or something. And some Antifa, I read, a, I hadn't seen anything on it other than the written word, so I've read about it. Uh, I guess some um, some Antifa guys show up and gals and they attack and are treating the, the, the Christians that are gathered very, very, very badly. And, um, and, and you know, calling them fascists. And the whole point was like, <laughs> this guy was is facing facing fascism and totalitarianism, the main speaker uh, in uh, Canada. So it was nonsense. It made no sense at all. And uh, 
But I did see a report by a guy. He was charismatic, but he was evidently a Christian nonetheless from what he said, and I believe his report, that he took one of those Antifa folks and led him to Christ uh, and was able to win him to Christ. And he loved him in the midst of all of that and talked to him, told him the gospel, and supposedly one of them got saved. I hope that happened. That, that would be amazing. That was a great testimony. If it's true, that's amazing. And that's you know that's what Jesus said, love your enemies, right? And uh, he loved us, but while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that's a tough order. It's a tall order, but that takes that's supernatural. It takes God's grace, and so it doesn't matter how long we've been Christians. If we if um, if your battery power is low, right, you got to get plugged in, and and so uh, it's not always easy to love our enemies. So that that right there will give you an indication of where we are with the Lord. Um, and the less we be loved to love others. A lot of times, um, you know, there's people even, I'll be frank with you, there's people in our church that have gotten out of ministry feeling like they weren't appreciated. Um, I don't think that's true. I think I think most of the people in our church, whether we acknowledge it or not sometimes, so it's easy to overlook things, we do appreciate the sacrifices of others. I mean, I, don't, I would hope that nobody just takes people for granted. Um, but we don't always, not everybody's rewarded with an attaboy, you know. Uh, because we don't do it for each other, though we do, we do it for who? God. We serve the Lord. And uh, Paul's like, well, man, it's a good thing I'm not waiting on you guys to commend me as your apostle, because <laughs> I'm not going to get it. But nonetheless, I love you more, right? What a great thing. What a great attitude to have. And that's the attitude we need to make sure we have, is that we serve the Lord, well, because we love the Lord, and he loved us when we were his enemies, right? So we love our enemies. We, the less we be loved, the more we love. So let me just stop right here for just a moment and think about that. Can you think of somebody right now um, that you need to love more that doesn't love you you know and uh it could be a relative it could be somebody even in your in the church it could unfortunately there's probably some, not in this room god forbid but there's probably some relationships even in the church where people could stand to love their husband or wife more even though they're not loved or their children perhaps now by the way i do need to say this just because paul's not going to let people run over him just be loving is not letting yourself get ran over right so i want to make sure uh abuse is not okay uh treating people poorly is not okay especially if you're a man that's that's a shame on you if you don't treat your wife and family properly so i'm not saying that should be excused or overlooked however i'm practically speaking um we need to be able to love people who don't love us in return so have everyone um Uh, I'm not going to do that, so I'm going to keep moving. So, moving along. Um, I was thinking about Billy Graham. Did I already mention this last week? I, I did, and what, what brought him here. So, yeah, I got ahead of myself on my notes. But uh, I was just thinking about that last week. You know, I was thinking about when Billy Graham came to town here in uh, 2004 or whatever. You know, that guy made three trips to Kansas City. Um, and Paul's saying, you know what, I'm ready to come a third time. And the first time he came was the, he was the, uh, he was invited by, uh, the old YFC guy. What was his name? Um, Youth for Christ, Ronnie Metzger, Al Metzger. Al Metzger, Al Metzger was starting Youth for Christ. It's like back in, well, like you got the 1967. Billy Graham came at the invitation of a bunch of pastors. Al Metzger was one of them. 
and uh, and the, the main force I think behind getting at Billy Graham here to Kansas City. And then he came back in 1978, and then he came again in 2004. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was saying I wasn't say I wasn't even born physically in 1967. Um, I wasn't even here on the planet yet, um, and some of you guys were right. So, did you have a walk with the Lord? Did you have a walk with the Lord in 1967? Did you? No, Jeff was still lost. You weren't even in Christ. So, and you weren't were you you weren't born yet. You're younger than I am. So, uh, so several of us weren't born. I'm not going to ask you to. So, uh, and so you're so is your walk with Christ closer now than it was in 1967? Definitely good. Good. Well, his, he came in 1978. Again, I was not born again, but I was born. <laughs> and I had no walk with Christ. Were you born again in 78? You were? Okay. I'm not going to ask you if your walk was clo- is closer, but that's what I'm saying. When you think about time, is our walk closer over time? Is it getting better? Is it growing closer? Uh, sorry to put you on the spot there. I already knew the answer before I asked it. And I, I presume the same for you, Jeff. Um, anybody else born again in 1978? Nope. Okay. So, 2004, I don't think, uh, was anybody here born again after 2004? After 2004? Okay. So, that's an interesting equation. What are you thinking about back there? Are you doing the math? Okay. If you think about that, if you were born again after 2004... Uh, you would uh, be born, I mean, that's uh, after Billy Graham came. So the point being, uh, the, where I'm going with that, is we should definitely be growing closer to Christ, not further from him. But you know the Corinthians? It almost seemed like they were growing further. They were going the wrong direction. So Paul's response in that was not to kick him to the curb. All right, You guys are going the wrong way. I don't want anything to do with you. He's like, I'm going to come a third time. I thought about that because Billy Graham came three times to KC, and uh, and I don't know that our cities. Uh, does that mean what he preached was not effective? It was effective. I've personally led some people to Christ. I think it was legitimate, uh, just like at some of these outreaches. I was amazed at the Faith and Family Day. I mean, that that, that lady that prayed. I think she got saved. The one that we prayed with there was you with me, Amy. I was by myself. Yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, did you? Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's legitimate fruit. It's amazing. I mean, it shouldn't be shocking, but, you know, it's worth it. If one soul gets saved, but many people get saved. 78, many people got saved in 04, and I'm sure many people got saved in 67. So it wasn't a Billy Graham. I mean, there's people that think Billy Graham is not perfect, I'm sure, in in many ways, and there's all kinds of reasons why. but all of that aside, he did preach the gospel, and people got saved. Um, and uh, praise God for that, you know. And did discipleship happen? Did people get where they need to go? Um, some did, some didn't. But our walk should be closer today than it was the day. Then for me, March twenty fifth, nineteen eighty seven, is when I got saved. So um, you know that was a, that was nine years after Billy Graham's last trip here, or his second trip here. And I definitely was closer to the Lord in 2004 than I was in 1987, 1988, 1989. So I want to make sure I'm staying close to the Lord. So to those who are 
Um, if we're going to be here for that's all of us, I, I don't know. I don't know who's going to be here when the Lord returns, but let's presume for a moment that we're all going to be here till the Lord returns. Um, you know, is our relationship going to be better in 2022 than it was in 2021? You know, and I hope that it is. I hope that we continue to, to love more and um, surmise evil less, right? So spiritual maturity is required. This isn't your notes. There's a not a point C for quite some time. So any notes you're taking are just what I'm, I'm giving you. Spiritual maturity is required if you want to stand faithful to the return of Christ or even to the end of your life, whichever comes first. And that's really what Paul's talking about here. He says, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. And so he's planning on running out his race in a way that continues to grow in charity. He's not going to go backward in charity. Uh, I've, I've often, I've learned over time, I think that God does cultivate oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes in elderly people more charity. Um, and, uh, and so it's important. Uh, learn not to seek what you can get from others, but what you can give to others, right? That's... That was, that was uh, old. What's his name? The president, JFK. And that people think that's original. Think not. That's not what you can do for your country, or what your country can do for you. What you can do for your country. Well, he just kind of plagiarized a little bit of the Bible. You know, see what you can do for others instead of what they are doing for you. And so Paul points out the, that the parents lay up for the children. And so uh, he's like saying, "I'm not really planning on retiring off of the children." Right? I'm not asking my kids to lay up for me, but I'm planning on laying up for my children. Um, and so uh, you better not plan on retiring off your ch- children's income because statistically the next generation will earn less and spend more. <laughs> so they probably won't be as wealthy as uh, the baby boomer generation and many of those in the coming days. But uh, spiritually, we are to learn to raise um, kill and cook our own food, and that's called discipleship, right? So we we should definitely take that seriously of, of, of maturing others and giving to others and being mature and laying up for others and not expecting them to, to put up for us. So that's an interesting thing. I remember when I first got saved, um, I ran in, well, one of my disciples, my work disciple, um, Herb Newton, was very, uh, he'd really kind of taught me this in practice because I, I, I didn't really understand that too much Um but uh, he he was all about laying up for his family and his kids and all of that, uh, and I was taught it to be taught, I was raised to be very independent and self sufficient. You know, that's kind of the world I grew up in, and and there's a lot of good things about that. But at the end of the day, uh, parents should lay up for the kids. I mean, that's really what we're doing, and the most important thing we can lay up is. Well, the Word of God, really, and a, and a foundation in heaven, a spiritual foundation. We just had, a, actually today we had some folks come here, some first-time guests, and, and you know, that's what brought them to Heartland was that. I talked to another, the Larkhams, what's here is the way that our church is engaged with their kids. They just joined the church, and they, their kids really enjoy Heartland for some reason. And, um, and so they're concerned about what they're giving their kids. And they're not focused on their needs. And sometimes as a pastor, I've talked to other pastors and we're like, man, you should lead your kids and you should the kids should follow you wherever. And I agree with all of that. Actually, there's some wisdom in all of that. Uh, you don't want to let the kids rule the roost. But there's also a natural inclination to want to make sure your kids are provided for. You know, So if you're going to go to a church, you're looking for a place that will provide also for your children, which makes sense. And so there's a balance there. Um, so ask God for the supernatural ability to give to those who will never give back. 
Right, and that's man, that needs you gotta have supernatural strength to do that. Only God can give unconditional love. It's not a human trait. That's a superhuman trait. Unconditional love that's why it's so awesome when you see it in a in a in like a combat situation or we just cel we used to celebrate it in our culture when you would see uh an unconditional an act of unconditional love you know some guy throws himself on a grenade the whole plot for that uh for the uh what's that soldier american captain america yeah the whole plot for captain america right what sets him apart from everybody else is that when there was a grenade he threw himself on it you know and that's that that used to be a virtue that's selfless. It's unconditional love, sacrificial, because it pictures Christ. So look over at Matthew five with me, Matthew five uh, forty three, and we are just about we're just about done. I did get to point C, didn't I? Be ready to meet your. Did I get to point C? Yeah. Be ready to meet your Maker. I skipped right over. We're almost done with this section. All right, so Matthew chapter uh, Matthew chapter five and verse forty three. Somebody want to read forty three through forty six? Yeah, 46. Amen. So, uh, now, this is a kingdom of heaven context, but can we apply this to the church? Absolutely, because it's a character issue. It's certainly it's certainly something that applies to the church. It's also something that needs to be applied in the coming millennium, right? And so, uh, but it's a kingdom of heaven context. But the reality is that you know what we should be able to love those um, you know that don't love us. Uh, Paul didn't say that he was uh, he was willing. He said he would very very gladly spend and be spent for you with no reciprocation whatsoever. So he didn't say like grudgingly. Or of necessity, like you need me so good, I'm gonna. I, you need me so much, I'm gonna love you even though you're unlovable. I mean, he didn't come across like that, you know. He's like, you know what? Even though you don't love me, I'm glad. I'm not happy. I'm excited about this. I'm gonna love you more. I mean, that's supernatural love, and that comes from our Father in heaven. That's His character. Uh, when, again, when we were that, when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, He's supernatural in His love. So now, if you, uh, if you. Uh, if you are a young person today, and we have a few here, and you start obeying your God and your parents because you love them and not get something out of it, you will be plugging into God's love. So that means you're all back here. Right? You can you can love God and love your parents just unconditionally. Just obey them, and you are plugging into God's love. And if you're married, and some of us are, if, if your spouse would love God, or you and your, you would love your spouse, 
and you'd love one another sacrificially, then you are supernaturally uh, have a fountain of love that never goes away, right? When you choose to love. Um, I just spoke to a man about this just last week. He's like, you know, I've learned that I didn't know what love is. I'm choosing to love. And I'm like, that's you're now going somewhere, right? You love unconditionally. That's what it's all about. Now, if as a congregation we get our eyes off ourselves and begin investing unconditionally in our Lord, our family, our church family, and community, we will see legitimate revival that will impact generations to come, which is a great place to, to conclude uh, because we're, getting, we're fixing to pray. And uh, we can pray right now for revival. We can pray that God's love, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter what the world gives us. What matters is what we give them. And, uh, boy, what a time in a time of, you know, the Odyssey and church age where it's all about the rights of the people to say, you know, what? at the end of the day, I don't have any rights. My rights is to love you no matter what. And, and gladly, not just like begrudgingly or or because, well, I'm better than you, so I'm going to love you. Of course, that undermines the whole premise of love. <laughs> so so that's not what we're talking about. We're like gladly loving people uh, because, man, I tell you what, it's it, the world right now... Not to not to overuse it, but they truly they do need love, right? Not a not a Coca Cola commercial about love, not some erotic version of love, not some romantic version of love that's not found in the scripture, but true biblical, sacrificial, not self serving, supernatural love. And uh, would to God we could pray that God would do that. We just had an update from Pat Lee. Uh, tonight about some some IGO teams. There's a, a young lady tonight I, or today that I talked to on the press of us of salvation. Uh, she just needs to know the love of God is enough for her soul to be saved. You know, I think about the power of the love of Christ, which is defined in the gospel. You know, uh, it's 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 amazing. It's the power of God into salvation. And what really makes it so powerful is when you when you talk about the gospel, it's not just that Jesus died. Many people died. Uh, and there's even been people that have died unjustly. Um, no one any more unjustly than, obviously, Jesus. But uh, it's not just that he was buried. Uh, of course, it is that he rose again. Um, that's never happened. Jesus is the only one to, to conquer sin and death. And he's alive right now. So all of that's true. It's the fact that in that, in that gospel message, is manifests the love of the Father. Right? I mean, to give up your son... Um, man, and some of us know with either Terry, uh, I think about Terry, uh, his last name is escaping me up in Monmouth. Um, uh, you remember his last name, Amy, Terry and his wife, but anyway, they, they lost a son in Afghan, I believe Afghanistan or Iraq about a decade ago or so, you know, and I think about the, the love of a parents, you know, for their son and to, to send him off to war and to lose their son. That's, that's rough, you know? And uh, for God the Father to sacrifice His Son, for people who just are kind of like, you know what, the more you love me, the less I love. And God's like, I'm glad to, I'm glad to love you anyway. I, it's that's un, unbelievable. It's, it's supernatural. To refuse that kind of love is the is ridiculous. It's absurd to to resist the love of God. It makes no sense at all. And yet we all know people. Uh, even this week, I, I can't remember who it was talking about getting saved, and they're they're just right there, but they're they're not ready to make that decision, you know, because of the flesh. Oh, I do know who I was talking about, so I won't tell you. But anyway, there's people in our midst that are on the precipice of getting saved, and they're they're hesitating 
And man, may we, may we pray for them tonight. You don't need to know names, but pray for people that are here in the Word of God that really need to understand the magnitude of God's love for us. And, uh, and understand that, you know what, there is no sin that he will not forgive. But there's also, we gotta, we got to receive it. There's people here that would just, I mean, there's people come to this building that have yet to receive the love of Christ. And so uh, I just pray that when we pray tonight, we'll remember some of those and ask the Holy Ghost to continue to convict them, get them saved, get them plugged in, you know, and get them where they need to go. And for all of us that we're closer with Christ tomorrow than we are the, and than we were the than we were today, that we're closer with him in a year from now, we're closer with him till the coming of Christ that we continue to love him. Uh, even if the, we find no other love, right? Now God's always going to love us back, but you know, there's times in our life where you're like, "God, where are you at?" Just don't don't doubt it. God loves you. He always loves you. And you can't out-love God. Just like you can't outsin, uh, you you can't outsin his goodness. You can't outlove him either. His his love is so good. All right, so I'm going to stop there. Next time we get together, we'll pick it up from there, and uh, verse 16 forward. But uh, any questions or comments about the text itself? All right, I'm going to. No, I was just going to say something that Paul's not afraid to say how he feels, what he thinks, and he says, you know, I love you more and more, and you, I I don't get the love back. You know, he said it. He it out. And I think a lot of us are afraid to say things like that. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Paul was very honest, wasn't he? Yeah. That's a good word. He didn't leave it to the imagination. That's a good point. He didn't mince words. I mean, he said it just like it was. He did say it like it was. Very All right, I'm going to stop it there.